You're listening to World Building for Masochists. And we're wondering why we do this to ourselves. Well, I need a break from reading all this fanfic about the Untamed. I don't know about you guys. Uh, anyway, I'm Alexandra Rowland. I'm Marshall Ryan Moreska. I'm Rowena Miller. And this is episode 19, Triska Decaphilia. How are you? I'm very good because we're doing a very fun episode today. Are you looking forward to this? I am looking forward I, to this. This, this, this is, this is this why we got fun. into this, this isn't is, it? This, this is the yeah. This is the very jam that we were like. This is what we're here yeah. for is to is to just you know come up with some bullshit because that's that's the right. fun, isn't right. it? That's, I feel like this is the promised. That's the, the dream. promised episode. The episode foretold in prophecy. Um, because, dear listeners, <laughs> yes. in this episode, we're just going to sit down and come up with a whole country right in front of you. Like, we're not really talking about a theme this week. We're just, like, doing the work right where you can see it. Yes. And that's going to be pretty yeah, fun. It is going to be think. pretty fun. I think this, so. This is, this is what we've been building up to for 18 right. episodes. Right. This is and, true. you know, therefore, 19, the perfect prime, is when you do it. Yes. Exactly. Yes. I'm also very Don't excited. base 10. I'm also very excited because a couple weeks ago on Twitter, we solicited the darling listeners to help us come up with a name for the country that we are uh, building today. And there were some really cool ideas, but I think we're going to save that for the end of the episode. Yes, we are. Yes. So just yes. to build up some suspense. There. Yes. <laughs> just to keep you. <laughs> On just to keep you guessing till the end <laughs> yeah. of the episode well and to be fair we, we have not narrowed it down completely because we could make some decisions throughout the course of the next hour or so that we're doing this that could yeah. affect what the best name would be so I'm, i mean i've already picked out my favorite but i don't know about you guys but i have a i have a strong front runner i, uh, I have favorites too cool i I don't yet, actually. I, I'm a blank slate. That's good, though. You can be the, the tiebreaker. I'm trying to come we, into this fresh. Like, <laughs> or, we, or we can unfairly so, influence you to our positions. It'll be fun. You might. You might. <laughs> you can just, like, say hinting words over the course of the next <laughs> yeah. hour. That, that's making me think, oh, yep. Yep. That's, that's a cool name. All right. So well, sh shall, shall we, we just, dive in? Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Well, I was just going to start with what do we already know? Right. Because we do have a few things that we've already put a bit of feelers out because we started this little journey a couple episodes ago on our politics episode and we we made this up then so what do we know so this is the country that is ruled with the 13 families um we know that they have a ruling council of 13 families and i think we established that one of them is in sort of prominence at a time one of them is sort of like the number one and it sort of shifts around depending on the political climate and so forth i don't know i don't remember if we determined exactly how that happens yeah i don't know if we formalized that but i think we did talk about that that's that's how it's gonna be right when yeah. you have when you have that many families well we talked about we talked about how like power dynamics shift over time yeah. but i don't think there was a formalized like one is on top sort mm, of thing. okay yeah yeah and then we also had the sort of religion, which was kind of magic-based, that had, uh, if I recall correctly, like, 
prophecy and sort yes. of divination related magic, right? Yes. So, because this was a multicameral government, so you had your 13 families as kind of your, like, executive branch-ish. Yeah. Um, and then we decided that the magic of this area was divination, because in, in our world that we've created, every area has different ways in which magic manifests. And here it's divination. And so we thought that that should have some role in the political system and governance. So there's a council of diviners mm-hmm. as well. And then wrapping that out, we had um, guilds who were kind of your your pragmatic everyday regulation legislative body. So yeah. we know a lot about politics, but aside from politics, we know where they are, which is that northern um, kind of like Siberia-ish, steppish area, um, that their magic is divination. And I think the only other thing that we really touched on in the in the politics episode was that we drew this out of in an area like that that the concept of community might be very important so other than that we don't really have anything didn't nailed down yet didn't we have something in the monuments episode about how they have some kind of giant turnip statue was that them was that them that was them i think that may have yes that was them yeah we should we really start turnip. writing this down one day we should really just like start updating the wiki or something um we should but yet but yet we don't <laughs> but maybe yet. a dying right, listener kids. will eventually do that for us <laughs> maybe, maybe, all right kids maybe so. a listener thinks we're just that cute that they're yes. like we're going to do that work for you finally Hope, finally after we'll like see. a million episodes someone finally came to us on twitter to tell us that we were cute <laughs> and i was fr- thrilled honestly took almost a year took almost a year for someone to get around to telling us that we were cute you think that we were joking about that we weren't <laughs> We do actually want to hear that we're cute, you guys. Give us your validation. It really made Alex's day. It really did make it my day. Did. Anyway, let's go back to the episode. So our country, we've, we've, we've got an, a location, we've got a magic system, we've got a political system, and we've got a giant turnip. Yes. So knowing that, where else can we go? Where do we want to go first? So I, I want to touch on the giant turnip. As, of course, one must. <laughs> because part of the idea that I had behind it when, when I improv that out was the idea that each family has, rather than, like, having a totem animal, because that's so, you know, every everything does the totem yeah. animal, that instead they would have a totem vegetable. And so oh, each family well, has their specific... Yeah. Let's, let's expand it from vegetable to, like, plant. Like a totem plant. Okay, yeah, I can... Because, like, not everything is going to be... A vegetable, right? <laughs> That's a little bit limiting. Like That's true. one of them can be an oak tree. That is true. One of them can be like a thistle. One of them can be some kind of <laughs> apple tree or well, something. You know, it's and a it, turnip. And it's, in a, it's it's in a northernish kind of area, so maybe it's like really far north. You have the lichen. You have the lichen family. It's all we've got. It's just <laughs> the stuff that grows on moss. You, we drew lots. You were last. Scrubby grass. <laughs> All right. So, yes, we we established that we're we're doing heraldry based on plants. On plants. Okay. Yes. Which might be a good place to launch into. So, if you have a culture that is elevating plants in this way, I am guessing that plants are relatively important to them in one way or another. Mm. Um, so why is that? Is that because of their sustenance method? Are they are there a lot of like, are they 
predominantly farmers or agrarian or is it that plants don't grow easily there so we aren't necessarily all farmers and so we recognize like the importance of if you can grow a turnip that's amazing and awesome yeah um i'm leaning towards the latter one i think that in this environment just the the climate and the landscape is just not super conducive to agriculture so it takes a lot of effort and maybe growing plants is considered something that like takes a lot of time so it's the either the domain of, of rich people who have the time to do it or it's considered this like very sort of gifted privileged sort of thing like if you're able to do this like if you have a green thumb then you must be particularly gifted by the gods what do you think of either of those options and that's maybe how the 13 families had their their origins whereas they were they were say the landed successful successful growing families that did the early agrarian work that established the nation in a way that was secure mm. because they secured the harvest years well, back. Well, I'm still not seeing them as like super farm based. I'm thinking that like any agriculture that they have is a fairly small scale operation and like a kitchen garden at most rather than like big farm fields. I think that for the most part, they're going to tend to be more herdsmen, not maybe nomadic mm. in their past, but just because the landscape is so difficult, like it's just less effort to put sheep or goats on it rather than trying to make it do something that it doesn't want to do. That was kind of where I was, was heading to. And it's a, it's a fairly large region. So you could have yeah. pockets where, you know, you can have a turnip farm. And, and actually I, I've, I'm not mistaken, tubers like turnips and potatoes can grow better in those kinds of areas than say, um, really like fussy grains. Yeah. So you might have pockets of that, but yeah, I saw them kind of coming out of a nomadic herding tradition, and maybe there are still some nomadic people. Um, but anyone who's settled has settled into kind of a large scale livestock sort of um, production pattern. Right. And that also means that, like, if they have a settlement, that means that that settlement has to be based on a major trade route rather than based in a major center of agriculture, right? Yeah, so one thing I was kind of thinking of was that this is an area that might not have huge cities compared to, say, Marshall's Mediterranean-esque area mm. where there's, there's I, I could see a bigger city popping up there than maybe up here in our steppe culture where maybe the cities are a bit smaller just because you're supporting a lot of herds and things like that instead of... Um, supporting um having a big granary so do they that wouldn't really give them a reason to have a big centralized government though because big centralized government comes when you have bigger cities and bigger pockets of civilization like that so well i'm not talking about like they don't have cities at all but like they have they have des moines not new york Okay. Like if that makes sense, like like they, there are there are larger cities in the world that exist um, than than that they have. And one thing I was going to throw in the pot too is what about mineral um, trade? I am very much here for them having some mining operations going on because I'm wondering the Ooh. era that we set this this world in is like a, a 
we're, we're in exploration, we're developing technology. So it's kind of a prime time for certain kinds of minerals like copper or iron to like suddenly get even more important than they were before, which could spawn some population growth and some centralization of these folks. I'll do you one better. Let's just give, give them a big ass salt mine because Ooh. salt is incredibly salt valuable cool. in a pre-industrial civilization, which doesn't have access to other methods of food preservation we can do what if they have a wide variety of different salt pockets that we they, could that they control and so per, so, it's so not perhaps just different like... families might have access to salt and or other minerals that they are becoming becoming one of the 13 families based off of perhaps okay yeah i like that so one thing i was thinking since you were talking about like these you know having these more settled pockets but keeping a certain amount of nomadic if they were if each family of the 13 families controlled one of these pockets and within that then there was a semi-nomadic people always moving from one to the next but they are stable hubs that each one is not necessarily hmm, not necessarily controlled by but then there maybe there would have to be one central one that is where they all come together to meet yeah hmm. yeah i i feel because the way we set it up we need a certain degree of centrality right. mm -hmm. i feel like right like like just the way the the complexity of the political system means that they have to have a need for that complex government right and so right needing a complex government comes about when you have a lot of people in one place and you have a lot of trade going on and you have lots of people living together in one space which means that you need laws to control them all and et cetera, et cetera. that's why i think i but i think like if they have one sort of big centralized city and then lots of other like either very small pockets around in the countryside and that big city is sort of where it's where the government happens for one thing and it's where trade happens and sort of maybe that's like on the only major river which is like the easiest way to get in and out of the country and so like everything comes into that city and then is dispersed out through the surrounding country countryside yeah i was i was going to say thinking about where the point of contact would be on this right because we're talking about a, it's kind of on the northern chunk of the world so there's a southern border area that's linking it up with the rest of Mm -hmm. most of our land mass honestly so we could say something along that southern border has become a population hub it's on a trade route either a river or some other reason there's a mountain pass that makes it makes sense that this is the spot that everyone's kind of yeah coming through and coming together and that becomes not only a, a trade hub but then also a population center and the seat of the government as well yeah Okay, I, I just, I, I had an idea. And since the third house, which we haven't been, of the government, which we haven't been talking too much, was supposed to be like a, a conclave of mm -hmm. guilds, what if instead those outer pockets away from that central city are, those are controlled by the guilds because they're the ones who actually have people doing the work and being, being in mm. the guild. So that's why they have that political power that they do because they're the ones out there doing the work and instead the family like the heads of the families are centralized in that city and they have like financial controlling interest in things but 
when it comes down to it, they're not the ones out there doing the work. So they mm. have to do all so, the negotiation of, of, say, the business ventures of trade. And, and maybe they've got controlling interest in the semi-nomadic groups that are going from those pockets where work is getting done and back to the, and back to so the city. Basi- so they control the trade routes, but not, not the... Yeah. Not the goods themselves. So basically you're proposing that the guilds are kind of the landholding class because they're the ones who are like out in the countryside, like controlling those smaller pockets, right? Or yes. well, here's my question. Where did the 13 families come from? Did they rise up out of that population center or did they come originally from those pockets? I... Because in some ways, if they even if they came from the pockets their attention could be turned to bigger things and it left a vacuum in some ways, right? Like this was the guy Hmm. who used to worry about this stuff, but now their focus is on bigger fish. So we really need the guild to tell us where to park the camels. I feel like you have to buy into it. Like you have to be able to buy your way into the 13 families. Thoughts? Well, or do you... Marry or something equivalent well, to marry, but that requires paying a dowry of some sort. So you need to, like, I almost see the thirteen families almost like investment firms. Yeah, yeah, I like that actually. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yeah, they're families, but like each one is like is almost like a little corporation that has this controlling right. interest because it's not in the trade it's not like one, and negotiates with the guilds. It's not one family with one surname. It's more like a conglomerate of families that are referred to as one quote unquote family. And so the you family. can buy into that yes. family and like be like make your clan part of that quote unquote family. Family. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. Which might this might be a good time to ask then if if we're talking how do you get into the family? Is it marriage, Marshall? Is that where we're going to go with this, or or is it or is it a financial exchange, or is it the same thing? I think it's the same thing, but I think we can define marriage in a in a more interesting yeah. way than necessarily uh-huh. <laughs> necessarily just you know super boring heteronormative couple. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's here boring. For it. Here for it. So so if. If at least within the 13 families, and then we could probably presume that this is either coming out of a cultural tradition that other people understand and are part of, or is trickling down, as things tend to do, if marriage is predominantly a, a business arrangement in many ways, and links not just to people, but can link up an entire subfamily to a family, like that opens up some interesting yeah. doors for what, it, what does marriage mean? Mm-hmm. How do you get married? Who gets married? Why do you get married? Can we and tell stories why... about like someone who has a really cool business plan and like pitches it to their sort of acquaintance friend to say, hey, I have this cool business plan. Will you marry me so that we can make this business venture work? <laughs> and then later, after they've gotten the business off the ground and have gotten married, then falls in love with their spouse. <laughs> And goes, right. oh no, oh no! Now I have feelings about this person. <laughs> there, are, there are feelings now. There's I'm having feelings. feelings about my spouse. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but is that like culturally an uncommon thing for them? Do they do what they consider marriage to be essentially a 
you know, a business venture of, you know, binding two companies yeah. together and things like romantic love and cohabitation and sexuality have nothing to do with that. And if you get that intermingled, that's kind of weird, man. I think what, that's fun. What are, you, what are you doing? I think that's fun and cool. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. <laughs> and you could, I mean, even just the concept that your, your spouse is, is, you know, we have a lot of romantic terms for what you call a spouse like in this culture it's it's your partner right that's like and, and the word partner. is very like partner <laughs> like business partner yeah so in this sense and it can be couples or triads or quadras because is, it is all of, it is all this about is business, very similar about... <laughs> to what i did in my book uh in conspiracy of truths with with Nuryavet because they have like polyamorous marriage that is also not just based on like love and sex and romance but is also like if you want to start a business with someone you just get married to them that's how you like formalize the partnership you know and of course historically there are plenty of times where business takes a a role in marriage i think it's just really fun here to really flip it completely on like we aren't even pretending romance or sexuality or right. anything like that here it's it's business like you're, so you're if, getting married to someone completely regardless of sexuality like you're both heterosexual men and you're getting married because of the business partnership business and you both have right. like, I think, like romantic partners on the side who are a completely different thing and what can be fun here too is that we're kind of talking about this from the point of view of you know these upper class you know, business venture, conglomerate family sort of folks. But then if that trickles down into like, say, say the guilds, like you get married because you want some additional stake in the guild or because you are forming a partnership um, to combine your turnip farms. And the guilds exist for the sake of collective bargaining and control, you know, of material against the 13, not necessarily against 13 families, but to give them the authority of like because maybe like the concept of land ownership doesn't quite exist for them yeah that makes sense like the 13 families are like if, if you have a, if you're coming at a nomadic herd people yeah yeah, yeah it's more about land usage especially especially if like the moneyed interest they're in the city like you can say you own this land but you're not the ones out here with swords and guns and tools yeah. actually out here so you don't own it because like what is it what does that even mean because we're the ones on it working it so do we have a so if marriage is only for business partnerships do we have a system of recognizing romantic relationships like is there a sort of a formal ritual for that or no or is it just like two people who I are would, in love i would say together or I would say it's something like friendship, right? Like the way that we understand, like you don't have a formal like contract or binding ceremony of being friends with someone. It just kind of is something you develop over time. And uh -huh. some people you end up being very close friends with and some people you really don't as much, but they're, they're still part of your past. They're there. Yeah. Um, and so like I wonder if it's something more like that. The person who's that. most like special to you, of, like possibly moves into your house, if that's something that you're both into. Maybe you exchange friendship bracelets, right. that sort of thing. You, 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 go, you might go on vacation together. Right. You have kids you know. together. <laughs> well, I, I just want to be like, I want to be careful how we handle this because I think that in situations like this, it's kind of easy to deny an aspect of humanity which is that people fall in love yes. right yeah and and 
people fall in love all the time. Like this is a very common thing. And usually most societies have a way of coping with that and dealing with that formally. Okay. Um, Here's an idea with, I mean, to to sort of side to to riff off of what you're saying, because you're one of the things you're talking about is like if people decide to just move in together and all that. What if since we are building off the idea that they don't really believe in land ownership, what if they don't really believe in like this is the your house and where you live like you just you know stay wherever you stay and there's rules and and such with that but like you don't where do you keep your stuff you don't quote so so you don't own a house but maybe you have a long-term apartment that you have right and so like the idea of that like any sort of formalizing moving in together or cohabitation tends to be not something that people necessarily do even if they actually do end up staying in that same apartment for 20 years with each other it's not this sort of any degree of formalized arrangement because there's no like the sense of like permanence of like this is where we live is never something that they really get in i don't know it doesn't i'm not totally buying that because like where do you keep your stuff and also because humans like settling down in one place. Like, I know people who have lived in my town for their whole lives and have never never left and definitely have a sense of, of permanence to it. Though, though, if this is coming out of a culture that was predominantly nomadic for a very long time, might they have a different cultural understanding about that? Like, the idea of right, place is going. less permanent than community? Maybe. So do, is your, who are you cohabitating with? Because people don't just live by themselves, especially in the pre-industrial era. Like, are you living with your immediate family or like your extended blood relations for most of your life? Like who's sharing your space? So if, if your formalized arrangement is coming from, from business and from kind of the clan that you, like your natal clan. Yeah. Let's say, let's call it a clan for like your blood relations and then family for okay. like the business partnership. The business. Yeah. Okay. So I would imagine you're living with a combination of those two things wherever you might be on that spectrum, whether you've really married into a large business conglomerate uh-huh. or you've mostly just kind of stuck with, you know, like you're not married yet, you're with your clan. I would think that you would cohabitate with those people or yeah. if you're not, yeah, it's your community. You live with them in some way, whether it's sharing your turnip farm or combining your herds or living in the city in some kind of compound. Yeah. But the other thing I'm thinking of is what, just in general, like the concept of like private mm-hmm. space might not be something that is particularly big. Like on, say, in, in the Outer Lands where you have like farms or mining communities, it might just be dorms or barracks and you know the people who are nomadic or semi-nomadic they have you know their wagons and tents and there's not a big sense of like like this is my personal private space and thus this person is moving in with me because you're already always so communal like even 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 the wealthier families like there might still be like dormitories where they're living that might be nicer and fancier but there's no sense of like here is our palatial estate Mm. it's because because you you know you might show there might be for the wealthier they might have a one that they control 
and thus when you go to like another city and you can just stay in that one but there's not a sense of like cohabitating with say one person because you're always cohabitating Without with a, a large of group of people yeah, yeah, yeah. with well, a commune and this could be kind of a fun thing to bring it back around to the concept of romantic love where do you find time and space for being with someone that's this could be part be... of the culture that that there are spaces that are private but they're not yours to own like you can okay i sound like i'm creating um this culture's version of the four-hour nap but <laughs> <laughs> what i really mean is more that there it, there are, are culturally normalized date spots that this is where you go when you're spending time with someone one-on-one outside of your clan not with your family hanging down you know your yeah. back of your neck yeah that like, there this are is where spaces you're gonna go to be private with someone and right. to bone down yeah <laughs> right right sure. well or even just like like cafes that have both a public facing part that you can you can just like be with one person instead of being with your whole goddamn family at the same time mm-hmm. and then there are also even more private spaces kind of layered into that that you can go and really be with just that person and it's and it's not because i feel like when we talk about like the four hour nap motel there's like a skeezy like secret side of it and that's that's not there it's just totally normalized this is just what you do to have romantic time with someone okay okay all right it's it's as normal as going out to dinner right that... it's their version of of going out to for <laughs> like dinner in a movie okay i'm here for it i think i think that's interesting and cool um because that was going to be my next question is like speaking of marriage and romance and pr- private space like where do they go to be private so i like that answer yeah, so then the next question, that means that as a culture then, they don't have a lot of hang-ups about sex. Because it's much more just, right. like, practical. And also, like, if they come from a tradition of, like, nomads, like, they're around animals all the time. And, like, animals fuck whenever they want to. They're doing it. Right? They're so just everyone doing is, it. like, used yeah. to it and, and <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, so sex is not, like, a big scandalous thing. Okay. Right. Well, does that go for people of all sexualities? I vote yes because that's yeah. how I, I, I say yes. That's how it I makes build m- the makes the most sense that way. Yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely cool. for Great. that. Well, yes. and yeah, and it's I think it's really internally consistent here too the way we've set this up. Like there's there's nothing about sex that feeds into a particular dynamic or um, anything that we've created within the world that would contradict that. Right. So what then is, like, the scandalous thing? Like, if there, it's not really a big deal to be, like, committing adultery because we don't have romantic marriages, is it, like, committing adultery against your business partner, quote-unquote adultery? Like Breaking yeah. a contract. I think, I think break it, breaking contract. Breaking yeah. contract is your big, big okay. no-no. Cool. Now, I could, I could, I could see there being romantic um, situations where you're not being honest with a romantic partner Absolutely. and they feel hurt by that. Yeah. That's part of human nature, I think. That is. I mean, that's going to happen. But yeah, no, I think the big taboo is breaking contract. Yeah. Because, and I think that, like, even with romantic partners, you might think about it in those terms as, like, oh, we had this sort of unspoken contract between us that we were going to be exclusive or whatever, and you went and broke that contract. Right. So even right. It, like that's sort of the, the mental framework that they're working with and that is sort of getting imposed on other parts of, of their life. This is cool. I like this. Um, I like it. OK, so so when when we have families, there are children. Where are children? OK, where are children coming from? Yeah, we don't have to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but we already established that they have the little. Yeah. Right. right. Who is is who is where claiming the child as part of their in? clan? 
you know, is is a child part of its mother's clan? Is it I a think, little bit looser than that? How does this work? I think for the most part, it makes sense for it to be part of the mother's clan. I think that yeah. works. I think, I think they, I think in terms of tracking, like, where you come from, it is purely matrilineal. Yep. Because... Yep. Because that's how it works. Because that's how go. it works with animals. That's too. easy. Yeah. Okay, great. Matrilineal. Done. Check. Next. And, that's to, easy. and to that extent, it's <laughs> like, again, they live relatively communally. So those children are like, they know who, they might know who their biological mother is, but they don't necessarily have a stronger bond with any one adult or part of the commune because they're raised by the commune. Right. Yeah. Because it literally takes a village. Like, that's that's their style. Yeah, and I, I can absolutely see having kind of like a um, kind of a crush system, too, where all the kids are kind of kept once they're not, you know, nursing any weaned, longer. Right. They're weaned. They're toddling around. They're kind of kept in a sort of crush community where all the kids are kept together and a couple of people are watching them instead of each mother having to watch her own child. So that's yep. kind of more um, efficient in terms of... of laborer and and who's doing work i agree with that that makes sense cool this is great uh shall we dig into the magic system a little bit more i would love to all right so we established <laughs> that it is based on divination uh we established that there are people who do this and that they have significant political power, and so when they say, oh, I had a vision, blah, 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 that they might not necessarily always be telling the truth. That they might be, like, coming up with visions and prophecies and stuff to further their own political interests rather than being right. totally honest about it. Um, so so do, we, do we have cultural rules that put a damper on that at all, or is it more just, like catch as catch can or is there somewhat of a natural outcome that if someone's visions are like not coming true a lot we start to wonder if maybe they're fudging it i would like there to be like some sort of like cultural stop on so that one doesn't abuse the power of divination and i think to join the diviners and train with this kind of magic to be specific or if you like have a vision and thus are like oh you got to be a diviner then you need to forswear clan forswear mm -hmm. family yes. forswear business yes. Yes. and and just be doing that yes. and, and be separated off from from the rest because you've now joined this totally different path yep that yes. totally tracks for me i agree and forswear any form of like wealth because this is what i'm thinking that you want a system where the diviners can't be bribed well well okay you want a system where there are there so, are so can... checks in in place to prevent people from yes. being bribed but like making it impossible for these people to be bribed is against human nature yeah it's of course impossible. it's yes. possible but, but no. you want at least the 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 appearance of these like there's no way you can bribe these people because they're not even supposed to have wealth or anything like that because they're supposed to be pure and true like that might be bullshit because human nature is human yeah. nature but they're at least the We're concept trying. is that but like you, well or you, you know look or, at you, the... or you could have it that in that like instead of them living a very like austere lifestyle you could have it that in fact the you know council of D diviners has a ton of money they're put up wonderfully they, they don't want for anything yeah they've got the best you know communal apartment in the city they've got I great like that food better, actually. They've, 
they've got everything they could want so but they don't have any personal wealth so you can't theoretically anyway which just like makes that. it so much more fun to write i like that better. it makes it so much fun to, it's so much more fun to write because then you're trying to come up with like well well what could you use to buy one of these people yeah and also like if yeah. you're giving up your like we've built in that community is so important in this culture and if you are doing something as drastic as giving up your community you have to be getting something in return right if you're forswearing your clan yes and your family both your clan and your family then you have to be getting something that you perceive as valuable in return whether that's a spiritual kind of value or this kind of value that Rowena talked about, about like living in the best places in the city and having all your, all of your needs taken care of um, and so on and so forth, which I like that. I like that a lot. So is this practice, is it something that you just have a natural propensity or gift for and that gets identified in in children or whatever, and then you kind of get like pulled as like, oh, you're a special one. Mm. Or is it something that anybody could do if they just studied it for long enough? I like. And the so I like there's the an option for I like anyone. it being a. I like it being a choice anyone can take if that's the okay. choice they want to make. Some people might have a better knack for yeah. it because they're like born with with a gift for the magic, but it's something anybody can learn to some degree regardless of I, that and so it's a choice anyone can I agree make. Yes. because also the sort of having a natural gift for it is a cliche that comes up in uh -huh. a lot of fantasy yep. and I like to yep. we're, we're choosing not <laughs> presuming um, yes. so yeah I think it's I think it's more interesting and fun to and like it makes it a more interesting magic too if it's something that anybody can access sort of like calculus like anyone theoretically can learn if calculus if you try hard enough <laughs> and believe in yourself um, so they tell me well so they tell me too <laughs> I was but no, and I like that too because then if you if you don't have that kind of anybody could in place, then then you have a lot of people who just choose not to be part of this magical diviners council who yeah. are wielding a pretty extraordinary power potentially, and they're using it to benefit their clan or their family instead of being and that that can get messy which can mm. be fun to write if you want to write someone who like leaves the diviners council and is now like a free agent so um but if you have a lot of free agents that's a very different look than if you have a centralized power seat so here's how they okay we have to keep it so that you can't use the divination in order to benefit your family which means that the secrets have to like the secret of how to do this magic has to be kept secret within the diviner circle so basically, mm -hmm. like, yes. maybe you, maybe there's some other, like, test or, or you have to go through schooling to prove yourself and, like, they, the diviners pick the most meritorious students to offer them the chance to forswear their clan and their family and then apprentice as diviners. Right. Like, you have to, like, sign up for, like, all four years of undergrad and all six years of grad school before right. you can before you can do before this you thing. get this yeah, yeah yeah and like prove your loyalty to the diviners over your clan and your family so that you like can show that you're not a spy who has snuck in to steal the secrets and and use it to, right. to benefit your people yep yep along those lines does proving your loyalty and forswearing your clan and your family take some sort of physical form like do you get a big tattoo on your face or something like that so therefore the fact that you're amongst the diviners rather than belonging is 
crystal clear to anybody who's looking at you. Hmm. 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 So that there's no way you can really double. So you can, yeah, you can't. Because... You can't get out once you're in, at yeah. least without being very obvious. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. I don't know. Well, let me think about that. It doesn't have to be a facial tattoo, <laughs> but it needs to be something. It ha- does have to be something that's easily visible and <laughs> easily to, yeah. visible striking and and something striking that you're not and going to, with a degree yeah. of permanence. You can't get rid of it. So, you can't get rid of it. So that's why either tattooing or scarring comes to mind. Yeah, or branding of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Or like something on the or hands. Or branding. Branding, branding is, hardcore. is hardcore. Yeah, or something on the hands <laughs> rather than on the face. <laughs> She's like, not the face. Not no, the no, face. no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying, to, to, trying to sort of cast a wider net and to, yeah. to see. Um, right. I want to be careful of, like, I immediately started thinking of, like, well, maybe they're blinded in one eye, but I want to be careful of, like, how we're handling disability as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that yeah. to become, like, an icky kind of issue. Right. Well, and... Not to mention that is also a big cliche of like, right, exactly. oh, those who see the future are blind. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, or, or like we're asking them to forswear their family and their clan, which is, you know, you're giving something up. But I think there's also that, that cliche of you have to, you know, some kind of physical trade off or or disability is somehow in, an empowering thing. And, and you're right. That's a trope that can go to an icky place yeah, if you let it. Yeah. So let's just handle that. Let's just tread carefully yeah. there. So one thing I was thinking of is if we can, like, how how does the practice actually work? Because there might be a clue in there that tells us exactly what mark oh, we would give them if we're a little stuck. Like, how I'm... is it? Is it a vision thing? Is it a casting lots kind of thing? Is it? I'm seeing uh... it as a ritual magic of sorts, um, where it's something that you can sit down and do. But you're going to have, like, depending on a lot of factors, you're going to have mixed results. Like, you can sit down and, and just, like, get a vision. And it might not be a particularly helpful vision. It might be sort of blurry. It might be indistinct. It might be very abstract. It might be yourself buying vegetables next week rather than, like, this big important thing that you're trying to, <laughs> trying to foresee. Um, thoughts on that? So there, is there a process that you go through when you sit down and have a vision or is it just like... Yeah, no, it would be like a ritual like, magic like a, like a, thing. Like a, okay, so you kind of go through a particular ritual or meditative... Yeah, yeah, and like you... Entree and for three days. And... Right, you make sacrifices, you light some incense, you do some meditation, you... Are there particular, are there particular words that you say or a chant that you do? Or could that be part of it? Because I, I wonder if we're getting back to the tattooing thing, if you could tattoo something on the hands or arm like some kind of that'd be a big cost like that'd be a big like cost f- focal thing i think like okay how about this if like say because if you get a tattoo every time that you're having a vision that's a big cost no 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 for, oh, no, no i mean like if, if it's if part of the ritual is some kind of repeated words mm. or something like that or um an image that you focus on if that's yeah. something that's actually tattooed on someone uh, so that you kind of like ha- it's like like no. a cheat sheet no only no, it's no no your because skin. of the secrets because <laughs> of the secrets because then, that's true like yeah. if you die on the road or something they can just undress you and right. read your secrets off your skin no um if it unless it unless it was something that was not known to anyone else like well that's cute he's got dolphins jumping over a moon i don't know what that means yeah. i don't know 
I don't know. It's cool, though. I think I like the tattoo thing, though, the more I think about it. Maybe, like, the ink that they're tattooed with has some kind of power imbued in it as well. Could do that, yeah. 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 Since since we talked about how the magic is built into, like, the metals of each different land, so it can be that the ink could, yeah that whatever is in yeah the ink that so they're they like use, putting the magic into you then it... right i like that right. i haven't seen that much before or it's like an it's like an amplifier yeah. in some way to kind of like channel what's what's there yeah. yeah i like that that's good shit that's good shit cool um we have like and, 15... and maybe you can maybe you can decide face or hands up to you right Depending, maybe it depends on I, I think, and, and like the designs. You but have, I think maybe the face or the head works better. Too. Maybe, yeah. But but like if you make it, if we make it that it is like say the face and the hands, because then it's like directly to your eyes and your ears and your brain more more effectively mm-hmm. than and thus also. And let's say they shave their yeah, hands let's say, too. Let's say that. Sure. You know, sure. Why not? Just just to also give them that striking. Yeah. Visual. Why not? I mean, and they're Why also not? going to be, like, you know... dressed in fancy robes, too. But the robes are something you can take on and off. Like, I'm seeing them in, like, either a dark, dark red or I think not purple. I don't think that they have access to purple dye here. So maybe, like, a dark burgundy wine red is their color. See, I was thinking more of, more of like, a, a rich yellow. Just because oh, I think that, that pops. And I'm like, oh, I, I, was, yeah. I was, like, like gossamer pale. Like, the palest color you could get is what I was seeing. Let's maybe not argue different... about this right now. Maybe there are different... <laughs> Maybe there are different, different like of course we're stages or something that clothing. that your color of the robe indicates what your specialty is or something like that. Because there's gonna be different sects within yeah. the the diviners that like do different aspects and and do different okay. things. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm good with that. So it's gonna be the style of the robe is sort of similar across the diviners, and then it's the color of the robe that denotes what sort of divination you do. All right. Great. Love that. We have like. 10 minutes left in this episode we should move on um, so let's move along um we've done religion let's just talk about some more like smaller facts of the the culture to sort of enrich our understanding of like the landscape and the setting and so forth tell me about natural landmarks tell me about artificial landmarks and mon- monuments and tell me about their tourism industry if they have one so i I was thinking about so we have we have big salt deposits, right? Yeah. So there are those really cool salt deposits that um, are like the totally flat plateaus. Oh, the salt flats. Um, yeah. That like once in a great while will get just the right amount of rain. That you have like just a couple inches that gather on the top of that, and it's like a perfect mirror. Ooh. So maybe like that's that's a. a like a thing people want to go see but Uh it's you can't plan your trip because it could happen like it's not going to happen for years and years and then one year it finally happens and so it's maybe it's like a mark of prestige that if you have the money and the ability to drop everything and go see the mirror lake when Mm. it happens Mm. like that's 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 like a thing that you like bucket list i really like that Ooh, and i'm also thinking have you seen those pictures of the salt mines and I think like either Germany or somewhere in South America where they've carved like an entire cathedral into the salt deposits. I like that. And because the salt is a little bit translucent, they can put like candles behind the walls and so forth to Mm -hmm. make them glow. So like, yeah, like these underground kind of beautiful, beautiful communal spaces made of salt. 
Is that where, like, say, the Diviner yes, Center of Power Yes, yes, it absolutely is. is. Thank you, Marshall. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and maybe their magic is somehow tied it. to the salt, too. Oh, so maybe it's tied to the salt. Maybe that's how they discovered the magic, is when they started mining the salt, people started getting stronger visions. Mm. Okay, cool. Like, that's way cool. back in the day when they first and started since, poking around since they this. have different kinds of salts that have different qualities ah, that is part of the, there you part go. the ritual like you have to like like make make a yeah. brine and and, and, and so the colors the of their robes are related to the colors of the salt <laughs> to the color of the salt cool yes. yes cool 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 all right that's wonderful that's the ritual is you actually like get in a bath of salt water and soak <gasps> and, and that sounds oh, man, really relaxing too bath <laughs> is like so relaxing i love it <laughs> I would definitely be a diviner in this culture. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, that's great. That's fucking great. I love all of that. Uh, let's see, what else? We talked about morals and values. You, you know what we didn't hit up at all is um, celebrations or holidays. Are there any Ooh. things in particular that these people have a holiday about or a celebration about? Or did well, they get like really into seventh anniversary of your marriage with your family or like what what do they dig on i think since they're nomads they're going to have some kind of springtime celebration to celebrate like the lambing season or maybe like it's at the end of spring like after the lambing has finished and like all the work is done and now we can like take a minute to like sit down and have a beer and like relax a little bit now that like the big work is over it's like, and then in fall you could, and then in fall you can have the we eat a lamb. Yes, festival. Yes, we eat we eat the lambs. <laughs> oh, and the shearing. So, so they are they are a people of sheep. I I, I appreciate a people of sheep. Either sheep or goats. One of those. I, I you like sheep? I like sheep. Okay, sheep okay. Good. okay. And lamb, I hate and lamb is delicious. I hate sheep so much. Lamb is it's, delicious. It's, it's, it's a personal it's a personal <laughs> feeling on my part that sheep are just assholes. Well, they could be. Um, fantasy but they can have sheep. sheep. It's okay. They could be fantasy sheep. We don't have to presume sheep. We can. This choose, is true. Like they fantasy. could they could be non asshole sheep. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Like they could be. Can they also have? They could be alpacas. They also have we donkeys. Could do fucking alpacas. We could instead. do alpacas. We could do donkeys too. Like that could be their pack animal. Is like These donkeys. Like big, big on big like onager donkeys. You know, like the asses yeah. from from like Persia and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Like they it. don't get used enough in fantasy. I, I I'm for this. I'm for <laughs> the donkey. That's cool. But also, but also sheep because lamb are delicious. Yes, but it is. Like, they can they can have several true. different kinds of of. Oh yeah, animals. So, in terms of religious events or significant events, since we talked a bit about how like children are raised communally, I think, and then like you have things with like who's your clan and who's yeah. your family. It's these separate things, or thus, or then joining the divining. I think some form of adulthood mm-hmm. right that where you make a declaration of of like who you are and and what do you stand for. I think that needs to be an important yeah. thing. I like that. Also, yeah. also, I think that they have communal birthdays. I think that there's like one day a year where everyone turns one year older and like... That's the birthday. That's the birthday. Yeah, like I midsummer like uh, is like the birthday and everybody celebrates turning a year older. Or, or let's choose, not presume, each family or each, well, maybe not, let's say each clan. Each clan like has their own clan birthday. 
And so, I like, like, that. like well, this and, and, family is celebrating the founding back, of the clan. Like, exactly, that could be tied all the way back to like where did our clan come from, and right. what we do on our clan birthday has something to do with where our clan came from, and right. and maybe if they have a totem plant, this is part of their celebration in some way. Yeah, and that's interesting. And that's interesting, too, because then, like, when you're writing about that, instead of having, like, oh, it's Midsummer's everybody's birthday, it's like, oh, I sorry, I can't do dinner next week. It's the clan birthday. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the children who become of age at that time, they that's when you have your special ceremony about you now becoming a formally an adult and formally of yeah. the clan and formally whatever else right that, that or, or formally leaving it like that's when you have to or decide formally leaving. if you're going to go join the diviners like you have to decide then like you don't cool right cool. that's neat i like that um fun. so we have about five minutes left in the episode shall we talk about the name of this country i think we need to name this I country think we do we need to name because we people. got some really cool suggestions on twitter and i'm just going to read through a couple of them uh several people suggested warbufamaso uh which is of course <laughs> several people like four different people suggested this which is of course short for world building it's, for masochists it's yeah. very cute i'm very against i'm it. very against it as well it is very yes, cute. you're all extremely it is clever cute. you're thank adorable. you so much thank you so much for this suggestion which we all hate <laughs> <laughs> Hate is a strong, a strong word, word, but I do strongly I don't, dislike I don't it. You know, really like it. it. You know, it. It's partially that aesthetically, I don't feel like it fits with what I've created in my head for yes, this particular place. Yes. So, so I'm not throwing it away as a possibility for a word that we might use for something at some point. Yeah. Other suggestions were the Northern Coalition or the Northern Conglomerate, and someone else took that to Google Translate and says that the Northern Coalition in Mongolian is uh, Koid Evsel. And Northern Union in Russian is Severny Soyuz. Uh, both of those sound cool, or you could mash either one together, like Sevoyuz or Koidev. Those are both kind of cool. I like those, but they're not my favorite. I do like how they yeah. sound. Yes. And I'm not convinced well, and, yet, but I do like how they and, sound. And I, I kind of appreciate the, um, the throwback to the when we were talking about languages in our episode a long time ago about how much you can convey mm -hmm. with just a couple of words in a language about the aesthetic and what it yes. feels like. And this does feel very much like, I think, what we're kind of aiming for. So I really appreciate that. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, we also got some made-up words, like uh, my favorite of them was Yulvik, which is spelled Y-O with a, a umlaut over it, L-V-I-K. Uh, that's a pretty cool We, we love an umlaut. I... I I we quite love like the it. Um, we love like diacritics. We of do all like kinds. diacritics. We do very much like diacritics. Um, or the most meta option, which is uh, in my book, uh, <laughs> spelled I N M A I B U K, pronounced in my book. I like this one so much, <laughs> but I would be willing to be swayed away from it if we liked another option better. I, Again, it's, it's cute. cute. It's cute is the thing. It's just really but, cute, Marshall. Well, and 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 I have to say, I appreciate <laughs> but that yet. it does it does roll off the tongue in my in my book. In it my does book. roll off the tongue in my book. <laughs> in my book. Uh, yeah, but um, I, I I'm I'm slightly loath to like name these people after 
essentially a meta okay. joke. That's fair. That's fair. So in that case, um, I think that my favorite is probably Koidev. Koidev, I like a lot. Yeah, I I would say I'm I'm probably between Koidev and Yolvik, and I like yeah. I like either one quite a bit. So cool. Let Let's do Koidev. Koidev, I'm leaning like towards Koidev. a little more. Yes. Excellent. Wonderful. Wonderful. Do, Love it. Do we do we know who actually suggested uh, that so we yes, can, like, can shout out to them it or up on the Twitter? Look it up on the Twitter so that we can give so we can give that dear listener the proper shout out that they deserve. Um, this dear listener, this uh dear listener who came up with this was uh at Vuatsen on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for your contribution. And the person who suggested calling it uh, the Northern Coalition, which is sort of where Koidev comes from, is Brian Strenko on Twitter. So thank you, both of you, sort of for jointly yes. coming collaboration. up with Collaboration, we love it. Excellent work. Uh, very much collaboration, we do, we do. It's very <laughs> much in the spirit of what we're trying to do here. Uh, do we have any other sort of last notes about this culture or anything else that we want to say about it before we sign off? Hmm. Do we? Oh. I feel like we should put a button on it before we before we sign off. Yeah, I feel like we have to... I feel like I've pressured us now to come up with something like... Really, really witty and cool, cool to, to put a button on this. Um, let's think. So, we know they love lamb. We... Or at least lamb is a thing. Oh, uh, here's, a, here's a thing. Here's a thing. Marshall. Yeah, tell me about the food. Okay, so... Yes, you know what? Let's let's just create the ideal clan birthday yes. menu. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so it's gonna. So lambs on the menu. So, yeah, it's. I think it's gonna involve a lot of roast meat. It's. It involves a lot of roast meat, or is it like like a slow cooked stew of some sort? Because yeah. And then Ooh, yeah, well, because depending on the time of year, depending you on know, the time of you year, either you might have, have good fresh lamb, or it might actually not be a great time for. For, yeah, Depending so, on if yes. it's if it's a harvest season or Maybe not, every... and then you've got your your various yes. winter root vegetables. You've got your your beets and your potatoes and your turnips, and then mm-hmm. and also your and your think... winter wheats. And so then maybe you're yeah. making like a uh, like a nice meat pie. I don't know, or or a... Ooh, yeah. I think it's I, going I like to a meat involve... pie. <laughs> Like, since it's a special occasion, it's going to involve, like, food that takes more effort. Okay. So let's, instead of meat pie, let's go for dumplings. Ooh, Um, Let's go for just, like, fuckloads of dumplings, Mm. just all sorts of different kinds of dumplings. Which, dumplings are the superior food product, by the way. I I agree. Um, Anytime you're just stuffing, (laughs) like, delicious things into pasta... I am for that. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like food wrapped in in a grain or grain byproduct is what I mean by dumplings. So yes. you have like meat filled buns, and you have like the steamed dumplings, and you have pies, and um, all of these take some some labor. They take and some, some doing effort. So, but I, I like yeah. the idea that, that maybe these so, are these are a pasta people rather than rather than a bread people. That that that's what they do. That's what they do because that's not something you see too much of in fantasy. You don't see too much pasta or noodles, which is a shame because Mm. because they're delicious. And doing noodles is something that you can you don't have to wait for it to rise. You don't have to wait for it to bake. You do noodles. That's a really good on the move kind of traditional food because you just roll it out, cut it up, let it dry. You got a noodle. Yep. Yep. Cool. So do we? Are there are there any um, any sweets or anything with our? Yes, 
Yes, they have clan sweets. birthday um, meal. I think their main sweetening agent is probably going to be honey. Um, or is it sugar beets? And I think that they have, or mm, I don't know if they have sugar beets yet. Maybe it's maybe it's gotten replaced with sugar now that they have trade. Uh, maybe like that's one of the major oh, things coming through on trade is like Certainly, this is this is sure. a recent change is now we have sugar. I like the idea of them of them like having like roving bee beehives that like are on the wagons <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like the idea of honey as as well, being a main beehives kind of have to so. stay in one place because otherwise do... the bees get lost yeah uh, they get really mad they do get really mad if you, if you move their beehives around too much um but let's say that yeah. they have sugar especially amongst the more wealthy clans that have access to it um and let's say that they have a lot of dairy-based desserts as well because they have all those yes. animals so yes. lots of like yes. custards yeah. and um uh like the gulab jamun kind of like sweet things yes cool. yes and i think one tiny little detail is that one of the most important things on your table is that you have a cellar of really good salt mm-hmm. that you sprinkle yeah on your on your food yeah yeah like your local specialty salt cool 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 love it love it love it Yes. All right, this has been so much fun. Awesome. Uh, dear listeners, Yay! if you have any other questions or ideas, please let us know on Twitter or in our uh, Discord chat room. This has been so much fun. I look forward to doing this again with a different culture. Did you guys yes, have a good time? Yes, we should. We should absolutely do this again. Great. Uh, I, I'm for it. I'm proud to be a part of it. Fantastic. you thanks for listening to this episode of world building for masochists and letting us help you overcomplicate your writing life this has been an amazing year for the podcast and we super hope that you folks have been having as much fun as we have uh just a reminder nominations for the hugo awards close very soon and we're eligible for the best fan cast category if you've got some room left on your ballot we would be super thrilled and honored to have your support Uh, Our next episode goes up on March 18th, and we'll be joined by another glamorous guest star. Spectacular romance author Kat Sebastian is going to join us to talk about sex and world building. Now, darling listeners, I don't want to hear any vulgar jokes about this episode being where we finally talk about literal masochists. Come on, that's low-hanging fruit. You can do better. Uh, we really hope you liked this episode. If you did, please do take a minute to tell a friend, shout about us on the internet, or leave a review on iTunes. If you've got questions or you just want to tell us how cute we are, there's a number of ways to contact us. We're on Twitter and Tumblr as at WorldBuildCast, and our email is worldbuildcast at gmail.com. We also have a Discord chat room linked on the About the Show page of our website if you want to come chat with us and other fans of the podcast. And this is usually the part where I give you a cool fact of the day, but I don't have a cool fact of the day for you because we just gave you a bunch of cool facts. Uh, So I want you to give me a cool fact of the day about Koidev, the country we just came up with. So tag us on Twitter about it. And thanks for joining us.